This episode of Locked On MLB is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And today we're going to get started. The people have spoken. They want more Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets. Today, I deliver. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If I wasn't, would I have this lower third that calls me Sully? I don't think so. I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a podcaster for well over a decade, and I've been podcasting here on the Locked On Podcast Network for the last five years. Oh, my God. How old am I? Uh, follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And when you're talking to your smart device, please tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, including the Top Gun Maverick of the Locked On Podcast Network, our number one baseball show not just in terms of downloads, but also right here, right in the heart, Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets. Why do I have the honor to have you back on the show? I appreciate the, the kind welcome. I, I certainly do, and I love being back on Locked On MLB. Yeah, well, hey, we'd love to have you on. And uh, it, I have a feeling you're going to be on more than once. I might, By the way, just, just pulling back the curtain here a little bit, I try to make sure that every host of every Locked On show does a couple appearances on the show per per season. Yeah. You know, first of all, I got to fill a bunch of shows. Secondly, if they each show up twice, then I only have 102 other shows to fill out because that takes 60 of them mm-hmm. out. You know, if, if, if they all showed up three times, guess what? I pack it up. I'm done for the season. Um, you're a tough man to get. You're in demand. You're in demand, and but with that demand uh, comes some supply, and I think the Mets are going to supply us some. You know, you you've been on the show. I said before, everything went right for the Mets until the last week, um, last year. Uh, I think it's going to be another really fun season. I think this is a year. Atlanta is really good. Obviously, the Phillies won the pennant, and I also I think the Marlins are better. I think they could any team that can pitch and added a decent hitter, I give them a fighter's chance to get towards 80 wins. I don't think they're going to be a pushover. Anytime when you start the Cy Young Award winner every five starts, I think they're I think they have some some talent. Did a ghost just go by me behind me? Was that did, was that the ghost that. of Marlins past went behind me? That was a weird <laughs> shadow went behind me. Um I still think the Mets are probably going to win the division. I think they're going to be there. They're, I think they're going to be tooth and nail with Atlanta all year. But man, it's going to be a fun, exciting year. Yeah, I'm. I'm so excited for it. I mean, I think the race ultimately breaks down pretty similar to the way we saw last year with the Mets mm-hmm. and the Braves at the top, like you're saying, the Phillies being a wild card team and the Marlins 
you know, being frisky at times. But like you said, all four of those teams improved this offseason. There's there's no question about it. I guess the only team that you can maybe say didn't quite improve is, I mean, the Braves go from Sean Murphy and they lose Swanson, but I mean, they were an unbelievable they're, team last year. They're still so really good. They're yeah, still, you know, and they've kept the team together. I mean, exactly. The, whenever you have a team, you say like, look, at, we don't have to worry about arbitration or whether or not this guy, or that guy's going to go to free agency. I, I, I love this Braves. I mean, I, yeah. I, I love it in terms of admiring their talent. I'm not a Braves fan by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, you can't help but admire the talent they've assembled and are keeping together on this team. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a long window to succeed with those guys. And if Michael Harris and Strider get better and they have a complete full season of them, I mean, look, the Braves are going to be a team that that's going to be really tough to beat. But the Mets went out this offseason and kind of addressed everything you would have wanted them to. They have a the first prospect wave um, in some time. I, I can't remember a, a season uh really in, in a very i mean maybe even a decade I, I think the last time would probably be the the starting pitchers in 2015 where there was kind of this buzz around a group of prospects now you're seeing it on the position player side with brett Beatty and, and francisco alvarez and mark vientos and even ronnie mauricio in camp so they got some prospects coming up they bring in a guy like justin verlander where I, i'm still trying to grasp what that means for the mess when you see him go you know five innings today in a spring start and look like he's ready for for complete regular season action already. Yeah, it's going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah, I think. Look at uh, I got into a little bit of a debate with Bryce Patrick about the acquisition of Degrom. Um, okay, I love Degrom. I know every Met fan loves Degrom, and when Degrom was healthy, he was the best pitcher in baseball. I do not have any faith that he is going to make 20 starts this year. Yeah. And while I, while we all know Justin Verlander was drafted by the St. Louis Browns in the 1950s, um, he's been around a while. Um, it, I, and I do know he missed all the 2021 and 2020 season bookended them with Cy Young awards in Houston. I have so much more faith that he is going to give the Mets 25 starts than DeGrom would have given them 25 starts. And yeah. I, to me, this is a no-brainer situation. And also because, yes, the annual value for his contract and Scherzer's contract is the, the gross natural product of most countries, but it's only for two years. You're basically saying, give us one or two years. Reach deep down and pull out one great year. And have it at the same time as your former teammate, and next thing you know, the you know you, you, the bet the Met I would call them the bets the Mets are going to be the surefire bet. I'm not going right into the uh, ad read right now, but it's uh, I think that it was the smart move to do for long term and for short term because to tie yourself up with Degrom out of out of uh, uh, nostalgia, I think would have been. I hate to say disastrous because obviously the Mets have have money to burn, but I think they're going to get more out of Verlander in two years than the Rangers are probably getting the entire contract with Degrom. Yeah, I, I think that with, with Jacob Degrom, you know the Rangers needed Degrom. Degrom is the guy that could 
put them on the map as a franchise again. So they're willing to go to that length to sign them the five-year deal that no other team in baseball was willing to give a guy that is the best pitcher when he's healthy. The Mets, I, I hate to say it, but they didn't need DeGrom, especially when they already had memes with Verlander and kind of knew that they'd be able to nab him on this two-year deal. And like you said, I mean, as much as I can say, if I need a, a guy to start a postseason game tomorrow, I would take Jacob DeGrom every single time. I just don't know if he's going to be there, and I don't know if my team gets to the postseason depending on his health, whereas I feel pretty confident the Mets are going to get 50 stars from Scherzer and Verlander this year. And you yes. know what? If they get 54 from those guys, a third of your games – are started by future first ballot Hall of Famers. And I feel pretty good about the Mets' chances to give the Braves a good run for their money to win this division finally, which they haven't done since 2015. And the other the other point that you made is, and I think it's a great point, yes, they have the veterans there, and yes, they they spent a lot of money to bring back Nimmo, and they have, you know, they have some good solid players who they're they've retained. But this wave of young players could be that sort of ingredient to mix it in the salad dressing, if you will, that it's not all just a bunch of old fogies, you know, the, 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 the cast of cocoon waiting to come in and win a title. Um, by the way, to give you an idea of how old a reference that is, cocoon came out before the uh, Mets last world series title. Um, but the, the idea that there's this young wave of players who could inject some energy into the team, that's a level of excitement too, you know, beyond just, you know, veterans trying to grab one more ring to have them playing alongside, you know, young players that Met fans can claim as their own. Um, I don't know. I just think that that's, it's, it's making for an interesting cocktail uh, for the potential for this year. I think if you check around baseball, nothing will get a fan base more excited. As much as we love the high price, the high price acquisition, whether it be Lindor a couple of years ago or Verlander, nothing gets a fan base more exciting than seeing one of these kids that you drafted look like they're going to be a star. And, and Brett Beatty is a guy that I think can grab that third base job from a water Wesker bar. Honestly, as soon as opening day at the Mets allow him to, if not very early on into the season, He's made some good plays at third. The defense has improved. He has a way higher ceiling as far as the bat is concerned. As much as everyone's going to talk about Alvarez, Brett Beatty is the guy people should be looking at. And, you know, I'll tell you, Sully, if they want to place a bet on some future odds, Mm -hmm. Brett Beatty, rookie of the year, believe it's like plus 1,600 at FanDuel, something like that. Well, are you talking about making a bet at FanDuel? I am. Oh, wow. Well, what can you tell us about FanDuel? I know what I know about FanDuel. I know you can make every moment matter more, and I know that there's a no-sweat first bet where you can get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. That's what I know. Well, uh, let me just tell you something. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, it's gluten-free, it's super easy to use, and you can bet on anything. From the money line to point scores and three strain. And think about all the great things that are coming up right around the corner. Uh, it's it's in the middle of March right now. Uh, so, by the way, happy birthday to my mom. Happy birthday, Dr. Edie. Uh, we're in the middle of March. So what does that mean? March Madness is about to happen. When that's over, next thing you know, it's the NBA playoffs. 
the Stanley Cup playoffs. You got a baseball going on every day. It's fantastic. So guess what? FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss out on the chance for your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. What's that email? What's that website again? FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Oh, boy. I am an old, old man. But you don't have to be an old man. You can go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It's an official sports betting partner of the NBA. I am on a Cal Ripken Jr.-like streak of stumbling over that ad read <laughs> day in and day out. But eventually, eventually, I will get it down. Um, by the way, you made a, you made the point about the, uh, um, uh, you know, fans love it when it's their own player. You just have to look across town yeah. and see, like, of all the stars the Yankees have acquired over the years, first of all, the reason why they love the core of, of Rivera and Bernie Williams and Derek Jeter and Posada and um, and Pettit was that they're all homegrown. They were, you know, whatever this nonsense of being a real Yankee by that rationale. Babe Ruth wasn't a real Yankee, but um, but think about like the you know the big players that they've acquired over the years, and who's the love play most loved player right now is Judge. Or Judge came up to the. Did you always hold those players close to your bosom? I saw it in San Francisco when I was up in the Bay Area, and the Lincecums and the Bumgarners and the Sandovals and the Buster Poseys and the Matt Canes of the world were the ones you know that they loved so much more than the stars that were imported into the team. And I think you 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 know you see that with uh, you're going to see that with this group you know, Beatty with the, uh, with the Mets. And, and so like, what do you think the odds are that they're going to be coming? I mean, you said you, you brought up the rookie of the year odds at this point. What do you think the odds are that they're going to come in and make that kind of an impact for this team? I think the, the odds are pretty good on Beatty. I I think Brett Beatty is the one that uh, I I think you're going to see like at least 450 plate appearances, I just don't know how quick they go to him. I, I believe that he is ready now. I, I watched Brett Beatty play baseball, and I do not think that he that Eduardo Escobar is better at really anything than what Brett Beatty can provide. I think Beatty's a better hitter. I think he's more athletic defensively. I think he's going to give you a little bit on the base pass. I really like Brett Beatty as a player. I don't know if he's ever going to be some superstar, but he's just going to be really solid. He's going to get on base. He's going to give you good at bats. He's not going to be a gold glover, but I don't think he's going to hurt you at third base. So I think he's the most sure thing to have an impact. Mark Vientos is another prospect where he's shown everything in the minor leagues. He just doesn't have a position. So mm-hmm. if the Mets need someone that can mash against lefties, I think Vientos is the guy. I just don't know what opportunity he gets. They have a Tommy Pham that could be taking that role right now. Oh, I totally forgot you had Tommy Pham. I totally forgot that. Yeah, one of those those last signings that they made. It actually was the last signing. Uh, I think Alvarez is the biggest kind of unknown X factor because you know some would say he's the best catching prospect in baseball, or you know maybe the second best to Moreno in, in Arizona. I, I think that 
when you see him and Nervaez uh, this spring training, they, they sign Omar Nervaez. They, they send James McCann out. Nervaez is from Venezuela. Alvarez is from Venezuela. It's kind of clear they want that mentorship to happen. So I don't know. So is, we'll Esca- so is Escobar for that matter. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of these, we've seen veterans kind of embracing the, these prospects, maybe knowing that, you know, they, they didn't get a Carlos Correa this offseason to help the offense. The offense is, you know, relatively the same. There's Nervais, there's Fam, there's a couple of additions, but it's mm-hmm. mostly the same core coming out there. And these are the guys that could take the Mets to the next level. So I, I would not be surprised if by, you know, the second half, you're looking at a starting lineup that includes Alvarez, Beatty, and Vientos for all we know. But Beatty's the, the most sure thing. You know, and I also think that Escobar, who's been a, you know, former all-star and has been playing he's been playing for a thousand years and by the way uh he's not eduardo nunez for a while i got the two of them confused because they were both all-stars both had cups of coffee with the mets and both were kind of like um you know good at multiple positions um escobar i think might be more helpful to the mets as the as he could fill in at second base, can fill at third base. You know, being that depth rather than being the person you lock down the position. The way you know Lemayhu was that way for a little bit with the the Yankees. Of course, Lemayhu wound up you know winning a batting title along the way. But you know, look at I mean uh, Escobar is not a spring chicken. I mean he's in he's in his mid thirties at this point, but he still has value to the yeah. team. And I think especially when you bring up a young player like this, you got to have a player like them. So he knows that the team knows that, you know, there's a safety net for someone who's capable and, you know, there, he's a living human being who could play the position capably. But I really think if the Mets are going to be in a position where he is giving you depth, as opposed to he's in the starting lineup every single day in one position, that's when I think, you know, the Mets are in good shape. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing that, that makes this a good fit too is last year Escobar way better from the right side than the left. So mm-hmm. you yeah. can shield Beatty from tough lefties, have Escobar, you know, platoon with him at third, like you said, spare McNeil at second. He can spare Alonzo at first if they want to. He can get mm-hmm. some DH at bats. There's a lot of ways that they can deploy Escobar. And like you said, if he's coming off your bench, well, that just makes your entire team that much better. Well, and I say this, I say this ad nauseum. I say this almost as often as I say Bruce Bochy's lieutenants. But, um, you know, when you're when you're the GM and you're wondering, where am I going to get this guy at bats? Where are you going to get that guy at bats? Just just relax. The, the at bats will show up. There'll be an injury. There'll be a slump. There'll be something happens that, you know, and I always love it. Say, We've got too much talent here. Hold Hold off, hold off. Especially when people start talking about we have too many starting pitchers. Just calm it down, calm it down. There will be a hole. There will be an injury. There'll be a slump. There'll be something. Eduardo Escobar will get his at bats, and Absolutely. he will contribute to the team. And there will be a point where, like, oh my God, this guy's going to be gone for you know two or three weeks. Well, guess what? You have, and and it's in some ways. Like, like whenever a superstar leaves a team, I th- always think the best mentality as a as a GM it seems like we're going to an ultimate GM read right now. But uh, as a GM, your mindset should not necessarily be 
let's find another superstar to fill that hole, but should be, let's make sure that's not a hole. Let's yeah. make sure that this position is filled with a major leaguer and having Escobar where you can punch in anywhere in the infield practically, except short. I wouldn't trust him at short at this point, but certainly second. Yeah. Certainly the corner spots to be able to say in case of emergency, we have a capable former all-star who can play the position. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, I think I, this is one of the reasons why I have, I have a lot of confidence in this Mets team. And I can't help but wonder, obviously the Mets had a catastrophic ending to the 2021 season. They had a mini catastrophe to end the 2022 season. It's getting shorter. The, the catastrophes are, you know, are getting shorter. Um, I can't help but think that the experience of these last couple of seasons are going to put this team in the right direction and and you know they can they can play off of it Uh, if you look at you know the position players in particular like Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonzo and and Brandon Nimmo I mean these guys haven't really been able to experience winning too much you know 2019 was maybe the the most success they'd had and and you know that was still a team that won like 86 games and ultimately didn't make the playoffs. So last year was the first time any of them played in a playoff game. It was a learning experience and also closing out a division. You know, I I, I actually, it's such a minor thing, but at the end of uh, when they clinched a playoff berth, the Mets made a big show of we're, we're not celebrating this too much. We're going to have a little champagne, but no champagne shower. We're we're, we're just, we're just going to be very modest because the division is the ultimate prize. And I almost wonder if they kind of robbed that experience from some of those guys and it made them play a little bit tight after that. And they just, they didn't quite get over the hump. And it just felt like this self-fulfilling prophecy down the stretch where the Braves are just kept on, on gaining ground. And ultimately they, they go head to head in the series for the division and they get swept and, and crushed by the Braves. I think all of that though is good learning for these guys. They're going to come into this year with a little more of a chip on their shoulder and I also think that this is a Mets team that could start really hot. Um, and when you have one team coming off a World Series, uh, you know, hang over a little bit. I do wonder, you know, how this division looks in a couple months into the season if the Mets can can get a big lead and sustain it this time. We're here with Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets. Final segment here. So last year. Dusty Baker got to win a World Series championship as a manager. That's the reason, by the way, uh, you know, Astro fans are always quick to say that I have unbridled hatred of their team, even though I rooted for them to win the World Series in back-to-back years. That's pure hatred right there. Uh, the reason, obviously, was I'm I'm a huge Dusty fan, and, he, you know, there's now no argument against putting him in the Hall of Fame. He's done everything you could ever want a manager to do and do it with multiple, you know, he's taken multiple teams to the playoffs, the Giants, Cubs, Reds, Nationals, and the Houston Astros. Buck, Yankees, Diamondbacks, Baltimore, and the Mets. And of course, he, you know, he's fired from the Diamondbacks, and the team he puts together wins the World Series the next year. He's fired from the Yankees, 
and the team that he and Stick Michael painstakingly put together wins the World Series. He's finally gone. He's let go from the Rangers, and a couple years later, they're a Nelson Cruz leap away from winning the World Series. If he wins with the Mets, his building of those three pennant winners will suddenly be padding to his resume, that he could be looked upon as this kind of Larry Brown figure, this Johnny Appleseed of October's, and all he needs is his own title and Bucks going to the freaking Hall of Fame. And because yeah. also they'll throw back 1994 where the Yankees were, okay, I, they, everyone's quick to say they probably would have won the American League pen in 94. And who knows, they probably would have, although we have to remember the Chicago White Sox were really good that year. They had a great pitching staff. And they had Frank Thomas on that team, and they were coming off of a playoff loss. So it isn't a guarantee that the Yankees would win, but they might have. The, the rug pulled. There would have been a Yankees exposed World Series. I think the White Sox would have won the playoff. But Showalter's resume is missing one thing, and that's a World Series title. And obviously, Cohen is 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 doing what every owner should do. The Padres are doing it. You know, they're they're saying, I've got money. Let's put a winner on the field. Let's take the pressure off this fan base. And if they win, Showalter becomes a great figure in New York sports history, not just because of his great cameo in Seinfeld. And what are your thoughts this year about Showalter becoming the new Dusty Baker? I, I When I was watching the World Series last year, I could not help but think about that, of course, as a Mets fan. You know, could this be Buck next year? And, and I do think that, you know, you hear Justin Verlander in particular, uh, he was asked just recently in an interview about, you know, hit, like what was his career highlight? And he said, you know, obviously one of the World Series said last year as a whole was very special just to come back and have the personal success. But he also said the team success, and he particularly pointed out winning a World Series for Dusty Baker and kind of cementing the legacy of a guy who's been a baseball great. Now he – goes from that situation as a leader in that clubhouse, gets dropped into Buck Showalter's clubhouse as a leader. I'm sure he's going to establish a great you know repertoire with him. And all of a sudden, you have Scherzer and Verlander who have seen it all leading this team with Buck Showalter. It just feels like a, a group of, of veteran baseball men uh, trying to climb that mountain together. And I think this is as good of a shot as Buck Showalter is going to get. Uh, this Mets team, if they make it to the playoffs, if they win the division too, don't have to worry about that wild card round the short series again. And you get arrested Verlander and Scherzer, and maybe even we'll see what Kodai Senga becomes this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Buck's got a good shot, shot here. He does. And and by having a, an influx of young talent too. I mean, yeah. that, that's, but I didn't bring up Senga because I, I wasn't sure what are we looking at from Because, I mean, we saw Jose Quintana is hurt. And he's probably going to miss maybe the first half of the season. Yeah. And whenever you have a pitcher who is no longer a spring chicken and they're bringing up July, you got to think in the back of your head, there may be a chance we don't see him this year. Um, Cause no one's usually, unless it's a Tommy John situation, they don't come around and say, he's di he done. Um, well, what are we looking at with Senga here? What we, is he, what's happened in spring training with him? So there was a little bit of a finger issue, but he's he's throwing again. So like a little bit of I think it's a finger tendonitis or something. But he's back throwing. What we've seen of him, he looks good. I think you've only seen him, and I only can recall one specific spring outing in a game. But maybe there's been a second one that I'm unaware of. 
but you know he's still touched 98 that that ghost fork that he has the split looked really good uh it's just a matter of the wild card of of can he stay healthy and and, and be be good to go for a full mlb season i think that's a big question mark and, and kind of like you said before how you can never have too much pitching depth those starts are going to go around yeah a lot of people were complaining about the mets signing quintana and Sanga because it bumped David Peterson, a young pitcher from the rotation that kind of proved last year that he was ready for rotation spot. There he is. He's in the rotation. They yep. have another guy in Tyler McGill. So they do have depth. As long as they have Scherzer and Verlander healthy this year, I'm not too concerned about the rotation. But mm-hmm. if Kodai Sanga can, can really hit the ceiling, what they think he can be, that's what's going to make the Mets a really scary team to face, particularly in October. I think last year, they saw Chris Bassett take the ball in October. And I, I think they just felt like he wasn't quite the guy to win a playoff game. Yeah. And so they got a guy with upset. I think that, they, that could be that guy. Oh, I got I got news for you. There is a guy who has a huge upside in the baseball podcasting rotation. And that's Ryan Finkelstein, who is the man, the maverick of all the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thanks so much for making Lockdown MLB be your first listen. For your second listen, obviously have that be Locked On Mets. Uh, third listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft angles and strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Ryan, where can people listen, if they're not already listening, to your super popular show? Uh, wherever you're getting locked on MLB, wherever you get your podcast, you can find Locked On Mets and find us over on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can find the show at Locked On Mets. Yeah, and you can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Talking Mets with Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets. This has been the Locked On MLB episode for. The 16th day of March. Happy birthday to my mom. You know I love you and you're listening to the show. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. I'm your son, Paul Francis Sullivan. Mom, just don't call me Sully. <laughs>